Happy Fourth of July. As I was nodding off to sleep last night, the fireworks started <laughs> in our neighborhood. But that's part of being an American in the United States. How well do you know God? No matter how much we know about God and, and read about him, there's always something more to learn. Not only that, how much have you forgotten about God? <laughs> we always need to be reminded about who he is and what his heart is for the world, for me, for you, uh, to learn his ways, to trust him more. Uh, we're beginning a new summer series. The next 10 weeks, uh, we're going to be taking a look at encounters with God, just how people interacted with God, how God intervened in their lives, and how God responded to unbelief, how God responded to faithlessness, not trusting in God, how, how God led people to himself to teach them that he could be believed, that he could be trusted, that he could be obeyed. We'll be investigating people that were caught off guard by their encounters with God. Do you have any preconceived notions about God, what he's like, or how he sees you? Does he really love you? Sometimes our misinformation, our preconceived ideas that are off base, those wrong ideas, lead us to wrong ideas about how God will respond to us. Well, we're going to be looking at those in the next several weeks uh, through the summer. But today our stories in Exodus, a famous story, the story of Moses and Israel at the Red Sea. And it's a great story. It's a familiar story. And the themes in this story are going to be repeated through the summer series. What are some of those themes? This story is about God's faithfulness to, to his people, even when they were faithless to him. This story is about God's sovereign knowledge that that God knows everyone's deepest thoughts, your dreams, the longings of your heart. He knows them. It's a story about God's mighty power and that God's power can never be overpowered. God's power is never underpowered. It's powerful always. It's a story about God's mercy and forgiveness and patience with people well, with the pharaohs of the world and with the Israelites of the world, with people like you and me. Truths that we need to know because maybe our hearts need to be awakened, our minds need to be awakened again about who God is for the first time. Or maybe reminded about who God is because we've forgotten, we've gone astray, we've begun to doubt. Or truths about God to know so we receive eternal life. Truths about God that when we believe them, that our faith will be enlivened, we might even be bold to follow God and trust him and dare to live for him and speak his name without fear. Truths that when we embrace them as a people together and individually, that our world will be impacted. That someone will come to know the God that you know and the God you love. So we have an encounter with God today. Egyptians encountered him. Israelites encountered him. The nations learned about him. And guess what? You and I, centuries later, thousands of years later, get to meet this God as well. God speaks. Listen. In verse 1 we read, Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front. Yeah, that place. <laughs> face the sea. 
So they were to go to the sea. Speak, Moses, to my people. Have you ever wished God in the morning would tell you what he wanted you to do for the rest of the day? (laughs) Ever thought about that? Wouldn't it be nice if God would tell you, uh, that really sounds helpful, right, when you have a big decision, should I buy the car, buy the house, Uh, how am I going to deal with those people at my workplace, my coworkers, my employer, I'm not having a good time, about how to raise your children, how to deal with the teenagers that are in your house at the moment, or the issues that are going on in your life, whatever they might be. Wouldn't it be great to have God just tell you, here's what I want you to do today. Would you like that? Well, if we're honest, no. Because there would be a lot of mornings when we got up in the morning, and if God told us what he wanted us to do, we would say something like this, no way am I apologizing to her. I can't do that. I'll lose my job. I'll lose my friends. It'll make the family matters worse, not better. I can't do that. What? I don't have time for that. (laughs) I have other plans today, God. We never say that. We never think that. We never ponder it, do we? But remember this truth about God. He's always speaking. Many of you are familiar with it. Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech. The night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. Yes, God's always speaking. And it's amazing to me because of God's grace in my life that I I look at the heavens, I look at creation, I look at all the critters. There was a deer in my front yard today in Havertown. I, I, kind of weird to me. But there it was. Birds and bees and all this environmental thing. And for some reason, the world seems to be unwilling. So many are unwilling to say there's a God who made it. They believe in some kind of a process called evolution that made it happen. I don't understand that, but... That's by God's grace that I see his glories. God's always speaking, and the world ignores it. In Romans chapter 1, Paul just reminds us that God, for what can be known about God is plain, because God has shown it to the whole world, but we suppress it with our unrighteous thinking. We ignore it. And we replace God's wisdom with our wisdom. And without God's wisdom, we go down a path that leads to foolishness and eventually separation from God, separated from his grace. And the world does not know what it means. It's called hell, what it's like to be without God's grace. All around the world this morning, today, wherever it's night, wherever it's morning, wherever it's afternoon, God's grace is being poured out in the world, and the world overall, we ignore it. And we go down foolish trails, and our news headlines tells us where we're going. The grass withers, the flowers fade, surely the people are grass, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Isaiah chapter 40. Wow. God never changes. 
So his truth never changes. So what he said at the beginning still is true today. And unlike me, God's viewpoints and opinions never need to change because they're never wrong. So God can be trusted. Jesus' words are always true. He is speaking. That's why he says, truly, truly, I'm not lying. Listen to me, truly, truly. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He who does not, he does not come into to judgment, that person who believes, but has passed from death to life. My sheep hear my voice, he says, and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. What benefits we have if we would just follow Christ. Believer in Christ, follower of Christ, Christian, whatever you would like to be identified as today, Jesus is speaking. He spoke to Moses. He told Moses, tell the people. And you know what Jesus has said to me and to you? Go. And wherever you go, teach people what I've taught you. Baptize them in my name. Teach them everything I've commanded you, and I will go with you wherever you are. So speak his truth. God is speaking. Are we listening? There's another great truth in this passage in, in, in Exodus. I spent a fair amount of time there, but we just needed to remind ourselves that God is speaking today. He's always speaking, whether it's in the heavens or from the earth or the seas or in our hearts and minds. He's giving us his truth, and we can know him. Another thing we learn in this passage in chapter 14 is that God knows, so we ought to turn to him. Look at verse 3. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel... They are wandering in the land. The wilderness has shut them in, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, and they did so. Pharaoh will say, and he will pursue. God's all-knowing. Omniscience, the big word we use. Omni meaning all. The shint meaning science or the word we get science from, knowledge. God is all-knowing. And he knew what Pharaoh was going to do. God knows the deepest dreams of my heart. He knows my wishes. He knows my hidden thoughts. He knows things that you don't know about me, that I've hidden from my family. The deepest, darkest secrets of our hearts. God knows my worst and my best. Have you ever wondered if God's playing with Pharaoh here, that he's unfair, that somehow he's like using him as a pawn, like I'm going to use Pharaoh to set him up so that I can be glorified and show how strong and mighty I am? Is that what God does with us, with people? He's so patient, God is, and so kind. Just a few chapters before this, Pharaoh knew all about God and his power. Do you know how many plagues it took for Pharaoh to finally wake up and let Israel go? It was 10. After all that history and knowledge, Pharaoh still turned his back on God's way and God's will and said, I can't let those slaves go. It's going to ruin our economy. We've got to enslave them again. Put them down. 
so we can be raised up. He ignored God's will. God knows what's going on in Pharaoh's heart, so God judges justly if he sends someone to eternal judgment. You can be sure of that. You can't trust my judgment, but God's judgment it always, is always true and fair. God knows this inside and out. He knows that we all sin and fall short of his glory. We miss the target. We don't love others as much as we love ourselves, even though we know we ought to. And when we do good, it's amazing, isn't it, that we have to tell everyone how good we've been? Have you noticed what people do on social media? I call it image management. We make ourselves look good. One time I went on a Christian missions thing and we put on these t-shirts that on the back said, sharing the love of Jesus. I hate that t-shirt. It's like we have to tell people what we're doing for God. Can't we just let our lives speak? without advertising, without managing our image, to uh, raising ourselves up. It's not all bad, but you get my point. Thank you. I'll take an amen. We can't fool God. He knows how sinful I am. He knows the motivations of my heart. They're mixed. Even in my best, I want to be noticed rather than God. Do you know how patient God is with us? Listen to this. In Romans chapter 5. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. That would be us. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's how deep his love is, how patient he is, how he raises us up because we can't raise ourselves up. We can't make ourselves godly, but by believing in Christ, the one who died on the cross, that is the statue of liberty. True liberty is found in Christ, and it's all by believing, not by doing. You know, God was inviting Pharaoh to trust in him, and he would have raised up the Egyptians to glory, to turn to him for blessing. It's like Isaiah said centuries later, and it's a reminder to me, even today, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let's throw in women there too. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. So what do we know about God from this passage? Number one, he is speaking. Number two, he knows everything. Turn to the Lord since he knows all about you and he will forgive. Thirdly, God is wise. Follow him. It says in verse 9 that Pharaoh's horses and his army overtook the Israelites. Here they were pinned up against the Red Sea. They were camping there. Does God know what he's doing? Well, we know the right answer on Sunday morning while you're sitting in church. Of course God knows what he's doing. That's the right answer. Nod, nod your heads. Yeah. That's the easy answer. But it's not so easy to believe in God's wisdom and his counsel in life's trying moments the rest of the week, is it? 
among those who don't believe or aren't too concerned about God's way. It's not easy to say whatever and wherever, whatever you want me to do, Lord, during the week. It's not so easy to follow God when it means giving up your rights or turning the other cheeks so someone can hit you again, hurt you again. It's not so easy to bless when they're cursing you. It's not so easy to sacrifice and defend the weak because you're going to share in their pain and you're going to be bullied too or put down or ostracized. It's not so easy to believe that God's word, his ways are the best. Easy in here, not so easy out there. Hey, how would you have responded? You know, just think about this. You're pinned up against the Red Sea. God's led you there. The pillar, the cloud by day, the pillar fire at night led you there. And suddenly you see the dust coming. There it is, the cloud of dust. You know what it is. It's chariots. It's trained soldiers coming to get you. I can hear my voice yelling at Moses with scorn and and hate. (laughs) Nice job, Moses. Good plan. Are you sure you understood what God wanted you to do? Why did God lead his people to the Red Sea? We know the answer because we know the happy ending. But they didn't. So we can understand their terror and their feelings, their anger, their remorse. We should have never left Egypt. You know, we've done it before, too, in our situations. Because do you feel trapped in your situation in life? And why would God leave you there? Is God wise? Can you trust his word? Can you trust God? Is he really there? Do you know the story of Hannah? 1 Samuel, you can read about it, chapters 1 and 2. She felt trapped. She was trapped in a no-win situation. She was barren, and that was like one of the hugest curses a believer in God could have to be barren meant it seemed to appear that, that God wasn't pleased with you. It was shameful. It was, she was ridiculed. She was put down by others. And, and I'm sure Hannah was asking, God, what are you doing? I believe in you. I, I, I'm a person of faith. And yet the other wife was putting her down. Why did God lead her there? Was it so in that moment of pain and her crying out to the Lord that she examined her heart? And the pride of her heart so that she would be willing to let go when God did give her a son, Samuel, that she could let him go? To trust in God with all her heart? What about Queen Esther? The beauty queen, right? She was living in the king's court, and then all of a sudden it was that good life was all in jeopardy because of one man's hatred, Haman's hatred. What was God doing? Would God really intervene if she stepped out for her people, the Jewish people, and protected them? Would he take care of her? Why did God put her there in that corner, trapped, her life on the line? Was it so when she was fasting and praying and seeking God's counsel that she realized that her beauty and her winsome spirit 
was given to her as a gift from God, not, not so she could be comfortable or, or take care of her friends in the king's court, but to help others, a bigger purpose for God's glory. There are many other illustrations we could look at in the scripture, but will you dare to trust God's voice this morning? His counsel, like Hannah and Esther and Moses, can he be trusted? Can he be followed? You know the proverb. Many of you are familiar with it. Maybe you don't, but it says in Proverbs chapter 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Do you believe that this morning? Is God speaking in 2021? Does God know all that's going on in humanity's heart? Is God wise? Do you dare follow his counsel? Let me just ask you this. What will be different in your life this week, in my life this week, if we truly believe that God is wise? What would be different? What could be different in your life this week in what you do if you really believe if I really believe God is wise, that his word can be trusted, that his way is best. Lesson number four, God rescues, trust him. Don't you love those words Paul read earlier, verse 13? Fear not, stand firm, see the salvation of the Lord the only thing you have to do, he said in verse 14, is to be silent. No more questions, no more yelling, no more screaming, no more crying out. Just be silent, quit doubting, and watch me save you. See, Moses was telling the truth about God. He was saying, I can be trusted. You can trust God, seize God's salvation. So quit fearing, quit being afraid, stand firm. Just be still. Just be silent. See God's salvation. There's a time to be still, time to be quiet, and then there's a time to act. There's a time to pray, to request God to do a great work, and then to watch him work. In verses 15 and 18, they took action. Moses why do you cry to me, the Lord says? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And they did that. They walked through the Red Sea. God protected them. In verse 19, it says the cloud moved that, that night from in front of them, behind them, to separate them from the Egyptians and the, and the Israelites. They were protected overnight while the wind blew while the sea was divided so that they could walk through on dry ground. They got to see it. That's why God took them there. We know the answer. So they could see it. The cloud of God's presence moved to protect them. The wind blew. They felt it. They walked through on dry ground with water on either side. That would be creepy. That would be exciting. I don't know what I would be feeling, right? Is it going to come down? Can I trust God? Will we do it? Well, I better not stay here. We ought to move forward. And in the morning, their enemies were floating up on the shore. They got to see their enemies vanquished. No more having to look over their shoulders and think, are those Egyptians going to come someday and get us again? 
You know, they are a mighty nation. They could come after us. They could enslave us again. No more worries. There's a great summary at the end of chapter 14. Look at it. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord had used against the Egyptians, so the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. So why didn't God just say a word when the Egyptians were coming toward them and wipe them out? Why didn't God just wipe them out in the middle of the night? So they had to walk through the Red Sea. So they could know and experience and see that God can be trusted, that God is wise, that God did it his way, that God is all-powerful, that God is able to do what he says. So Israel would know it. So the Egyptians would know it. So all the nations around would know it. So you and I could know it. Hear the Lord's voice. Know that he knows what's going on in your life. And he's taken you there, that his word can be trusted, that if you feel boxed in or cornered, that he knows what you're, he's doing, that he can be trusted if you will just follow his ways. Instead of trusting in yourself or some false idol, some powerless God, some, some guru that's only a man themselves, man or woman, instead of living and trusting in the lies of the devil who only wants to destroy, to steal, and to, and to bring you down, Jesus is here to give us life. This is a true story to help us trust God. God is worthy. Talk about it. We don't have time to look at the whole song that they sang. But in verse 1 of chapter 15, it says, Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, and listen to it. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. Look at verse 2. The Lord is my strength and my song. Look at verse 3. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. This is my God, and I will praise him. Just picture this. Teenagers were singing it. And old gray-headed people were singing it. And they were Jewish, they were Hebrews, so they were playing tambourines, and they weren't just sitting like I do. I'm Presbyterian background, we're very reserved. German, very reserved. They were dancing. Now there's an old tune to this, there's a song to this we sang in the 70s and 80s. It, if somebody hasn't upgraded it, it needs upgraded. We need a little salsa, because it's a celebratory song. We need some movement because this is a great song. Somebody can even do it in the rock and roll style, whatever. We need it upgraded because we can sing this together. Wouldn't it be great to see God deliver us as a congregation from whatever corner we feel boxed in by and together just jumping for joy? and shouting out to God praise because of what we saw, experienced, felt together. 
when we dare ask God to do that. Israel declared the glories of their God. That's the bulk of the thing. It just talks about all that God can do in verses 4 through uh, verse 16. And they declared with confidence in verse 17 of chapter 15, you will bring them in. They're speaking about the Israelites, about themselves, and you will plant them on your mountain, the place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode, the sanctuary of the Lord, which your hands have established. You're going to plant us in your land, Lord, and we believe it. What an amazing moment. This is a powerful story. And I probably haven't done it justice. But I hope the Spirit of God stirs your heart to see who your God is. Speaking of being planted in the land where God dwells. If you're a believer in Christ this morning, then that is your future. Think about where he's taking us. And listen to Jesus' words. Let not your hearts be troubled by the Red Sea. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. And if it were not so, I would have told you that. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So we really don't need to fear the Egyptians or whoever else is coming after us, because God has us where he wants us if we just look to him and trust him. Jesus can be trusted. He's the Lord of heaven and earth. He's the son of God who came and died for our sins to to save us from sin's penalty of death. His miracles prove who he is. His life, his compassionate ministry reveals what God is like. His death for us while we were his enemies proves how deep his love is, how far he will go to save us and to rescue us. His resurrection proves he is the son of God, that his death paid for sins, that Satan's head is crushed, that sin's curse is removed. Have you encountered this God, this Savior, this Redeemer? He's speaking this morning to us. He knows everything about us, and yet he loves us, and he cares for us, and he will rescue us when we cry out to him. Will you do that today? What will you do differently because you know a little bit more about who your God is? Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, is it true that you came to save us? To rescue us from eternal consequences of our sins, our foolishness, our rebellion? Lord, is it true that you'll answer us? That when we cry out to you for forgiveness, for help, that you will answer those who humble themselves? Oh Lord, assure us that it is true. If someone's doubting that today, Lord, stir in their hearts to see that the true story of your deliverance at the Red Sea, that it's just one of thousands and thousands, some recorded and most not, how you've delivered people through the centuries, through the ages, and you will until you come again. Oh, Lord, renew our love for your word. 
and change our hearts so we love you more and trust you more. Fill us with the peace and joy that only you can give as we look to you. And we ask you to do this in the name of Christ for your honor and glory. Amen.